But let's pray real quick, and um, we'll, we'll let you guys get out of here. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to come together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to partake in such wonderful, fun events like that. Lord, it's been a hard week around the church um, with a couple funerals, and Lord, just uh, missing people. God, we, we have a lot of people who are sick and just under the weather, and Father, we just pray for them today. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be with them as you are with us right now. And God, as we just spend just a short moment in your word, I pray that you would speak into our hearts and help us to remember what this time of year is truly about. That although the world tries to um, just go above and beyond every year to make it more glorious and and more fantastic and more beautiful, God, what you did 2,000 years ago was more than enough. And I pray that you would help us to remember that, to cherish that, and communicate that message to ourselves, but also to everyone in our lives. Lord, we love you today, and we ask that you would speak to us in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's kind of weird, you know, how do you follow something like that? And I knew we'd have, they'd be done pretty quickly, and I promise you, I'll get you out of here soon. Um, but as, you, as we talk about the birth of Jesus and what that entails, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about the past several weeks is uh, how God orchestrated a holy night. All the things that had to be done in order for Jesus to be born at the right place, at the right time, in the right moment in history, for everything to work out, for God to do all these amazing things. It really is miraculous, and that's about the only way that you can put it. You know, the birth of Jesus is miraculous, but everything that surrounds it is also miraculous. And as as we've been talking about the preparation, we've covered the preparation of of the people of Israel with with Zechariah and Elizabeth. We talked about the preparation of the parents last week with Mary and Joseph. And today I want to just talk with you just for a second about the importance of the preparation of the Romans. You know, what we just witnessed today, this whole idea of this crazy, amazing birth of Jesus, uh, of the journey that he made to Bethlehem to be born in a manger, uh, in a stable, laid in a manger, animals surrounding him, that whole beautiful story that we love so much because it's kind of like the underdog story that we all love happened because of this crazy nation called Rome. And I don't know if you're familiar with this, but if, you, if you're if you into social media, there's a lot of stuff floating around right now about how often men think about Rome. I don't know if you, if you hear people giggling um, because they've seen it. There's all these crazy videos, and, and it really is funny. We forget a lot of times how much history affects and influences us. And as Pastor Timmy and I were talking this morning, because uh, he knew I was going to be talking about this, you know, he said, basically, if you're a Christian, and if you read the Word of God, and you study the Scriptures, basically, you're thinking about Rome every time you get into God's Word. Because it brought about the very birth of Christ, it brought about the death, I mean, the, the resurrection, the way the gospel was spread all throughout the world, Rome was responsible for that. But we forget a lot of times about the preparation that's necessary for God to raise these nations up, to raise these rulers up at the right place, at the right time, to bring about his will throughout the earth. And if you read scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation, God is raising up nations and kingdoms, and he's using them to execute his will in the good and even in the bad. So let's read this real fast. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is the birth of Jesus on the account of St. Luke. And it said... 
at the time of the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And it's just such a small passage of Scripture, such a small account of what we celebrate so much of at Christmas time. And we often just miss what God did to bring this about. So point number one this morning I want to share with you is that in the preparation of bringing about this empire, bringing about this emperor to decree the census, is that God had a time and a place. You know, I think we forget a lot of times that we have our own plans, we have our own thoughts, we have our own desires. But in all things, God has, and he's ultimately the one in control. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago, after 400 years of silence from what we understand and what we read in Scripture, no definitive message from the Lord, God finally broke loose and he spoke to the nation of Israel through Zechariah. And he brought about John the Baptist to prepare the nation. And then he starts orchestrating this whole thing and he calls Mary, this young woman, this virgin, to give birth to the Messiah. And then he calls Joseph to play along and to be the surrogate father to to raise this child up in this moment. And how God chose these unlikely people, a man and woman who's too old, a boy and girl who's too young, He brings it all together. He works it all out. And then he chooses this unlikely nation called Rome to help fulfill all these prophecies that we read about in the Old Testament so that Jesus could prove himself to be the legitimate Messiah who came from God. You know, God had to take an insignificant couple from an insignificant place and take them to an important place. He had to transport them. And through the Roman Empire and through uh, Augustus and the census, God did this. What a wonderful coincidence. He's got a purpose. He's got a place. He's got a time for everything. And, you know, a lot of times we miss this because most people were just living in the moment. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but most people that night had no idea that Jesus had been born. There were a few special people who got the message, who got the memo, who got to take part in it, who got to witness it, but most of the people around the world did not realize anything significant was taking place at all. And I want to challenge you this morning and remind you to remind yourselves that God has a time, He has a place for everything in our lives. He has a plan. And you're not left out of that. You may not be aware of it in the moment, but it does not mean that God's not working and moving. Point number two. God's timing can be difficult. And last week we talked about how difficult it would have been for Mary to accept this this calling to bring forth God's one and only son into the world. Of how it would have messed up her whole life. Her her marriage with Joseph, her reputation in the community, her her, uh, bringing honor to her family through what she was doing and how that would have just totally upended her world. And how willing she was to do it. God's timing is never good. Hardly ever. You think about Joseph. Who had to go along with this. It was not good timing for him. 
You think about Zachariah and Elizabeth who had to wait decades hoping for a child for God to finally bring it along in his timing. And it's amazing what people do to prepare to be ready for the birth of a child. I know from, from our experiences, all the things that we did, you know, packing bags and just having stuff ready. Poor Pastor Timmy and Christine, I don't know if you know this or not, but we got a youth convention coming up in a few days, and Christine is not too far uh, removed from being due while Timmy is going to be in Cincinnati. And so we're trying to make plans to make sure that while he's out there, if she goes in labor, that he can get home. And, and you know, all these things are lined up because you have to be ready. The, the stress that it brings when a child is coming into the world for you to be ready is crazy. And you think about God's timing in this moment where he says, okay, we got to get him to Bethlehem. Let's do it at the worst time possible. Right when she's due, right when she's about to give birth, let's make them travel humpteen miles, ride a donkey, walk, whatever, they, whatever it is that they did, and get there so that he could be born at the exact place at the exact time that he was supposed to be. We pray a lot for God's will to be done. And I think there is something natural in us that desires that. But at the same time, we're scared because we know so many times his timing is not necessarily our timing. And his place is not necessarily our place. But as followers of Christ, I challenge you today to be okay with that because even though God's timing usually appears difficult and inconvenient and it never comes when we want it to, His will is always challenging. It's always calling us to sacrifice and it's always calling us to change, but it's always amazing. When you think about the birth of Christ, everything about the story stunk. For, for uh, Mary and Joseph to be in that situation, everything about it stunk. You know, it's those moments, and we laugh about it, especially in youth ministry. It's always the stuff that's crazy that in that moment you're like, how are we going to make it out of this? How is someone going to live? <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's like, please, Lord, don't let anybody die right now. And those are the moments that you always talk about the most, that you laugh about the most, that you celebrate the most, the ones that are the most difficult. And the times that you suffer the most and the people that you end up suffering with are generally the people that you end up being the closest to and building the bonds with that last a lifetime. Everything about that night for Mary and Joseph was probably so frustrating and maybe even demoralizing. But it's amazing how God works it out to be the most glorious, amazing thing that 2,000 years later, we're still doing reenactments of it celebrating what God did because that's what God does. He takes the absolute worst and he makes it the absolute best. So in your life right now, there might be something in your life that might not be in your timing, but I want to challenge you to be patient and understand that God's timing can be difficult, but it's always perfect and it's always better than ours. And we have to have faith in that. The last point, point number three, is that God uses the unlikely to bring about his will. You know, we talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth who were too old to have children and Mary and Joseph who were not married and she was a virgin and she was young. And you, you take these very unlikely people and then you take this nation called Rome who just like is right here in the middle of it. And, you know, we forget about it a lot of times, but the Roman Empire, it really is just kind of this polar opposite, horrific, but yet fascinating and amazing thing that existed. And whether you know it or not, if you look at 
all of our government buildings, most churches built before the 70s, everything echoes Greco-Roman architecture. Their artwork, their statues, I mean, it's beautiful, it's amazing. Their technologies, people still go to Rome today to just see the wonders that they built so long ago. It's one of the most amazing things, and we celebrate their government, their their architecture, technology, their military, and many other things. But at the same time, their culture was evil. They were immoral. They were brutal, and they valued themselves above all things from their rulers even to their people. And they were cruel to one another. Like you start reading Roman history, they were brutal to one another, but they were brutal to their enemies and their slaves. And they had conquered Jerusalem. You know, they were expanding their empire during this time. And Jerusalem was just one of their many victims as they were expanding their influence over the world. And all of Israel was underneath the oppression of Rome. It was one of the greatest things that so many people in Jerusalem and Israel were just so angry about. And they talked about, and there's revolts and rebellions. And you can see what the Romans did to those people and how brutal it was. I mean, just massacring elderly men, women, children. They were brutal. And during the midst of this, as the people of Israel were crying out for a Messiah to come and rescue them from that oppression, it was that very oppression that God was using to bring about His will. And that may seem unfair, especially if you're sitting in here today and you're contemplating whether or not you're going to believe in God or if maybe you're just struggling in your faith and just trying to determine how much you're going to trust in Him. That seems messed up. But we have to remember that in this world we live in, that evil exists. And one day God's going to bring it all under His control. And we have to have faith in what is to come and not necessarily the things that are here now. We have to cling to the hope of what God is going to bring. And the whole time that these Romans were oppressing Israel and taking advantage of them and mistreating them, it was this very group of people who was bringing about the coming of the Messiah in the proper place at the proper time. It was their census that brought the Savior to be born to Bethlehem. It was their cross that the price of sin was paid on. It was their persecution that called the church to spread across the world. And it was their roads that the message of the gospel traveled on. When you think about even up to the point of Jesus' death and the apostles taking up the mantle to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the bitter end, God used this nation to spread Christianity around the entire world. And while it may be this, this unlikely force that God is using in the, in the story of Jesus' birth or even in his death or even in the message of the gospel, I want to encourage you today, I guarantee you there's many of us in this room right now who have difficulties and struggles in our life. And there have been things in the past that have been very painful. And there may be things in our life that's causing us stress and suffering in the moment right now. But I want to challenge you not to give up and to not to lose faith in Christ because it's in those moments and in those things that God brings about the greatest things that we can ever possibly experience. And that's hard. 
it's hard to step out in faith and trust in that, but it's true. And we have to cling to that. That in these moments where we're frustrated and we want to give up and we want to be mad at the Lord, to trust in Him, to trust in His will, to trust in His way, and to believe that God is doing something better than you can imagine. Because that's what He was doing with Israel. He was bringing about the Savior of the world and He was using all these things to make it happen exactly how it had to so that He could be affirmed over and over and over again as being the Son of God. And while they were crying out for a Messiah, God was bringing him through the people that were making them suffer the most. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Dear or just verse 2, says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. It's one of the most difficult passages of Scripture that Christians today have trouble with because we don't want to suffer. And we never consider suffering a joy. But what the apostles understood in the New Testament is is that when they suffered, God was doing amazing things in them and through them. Suffering gives you an opportunity to grow in faith. It gives you an opportunity to grow in your relationship with the Lord. It gives you an opportunity to grow in strength and perseverance. And in all these things, we become better. It may not necessarily be something that you would want to go back and endure again. But we have to believe that in these moments that God is doing something great, even in our lives, whenever the pain and suffering is there. Because he may be using the thing that you hate the most to develop your relationship with him the best. So this morning, as we end, and we are so thankful for these young kids who are able to uh, display the story of the birth of Christ for us, I just want to challenge you guys to really contemplate on what all went into this to make it happen. You know, every year there's a lot of work that's put into Christmas from the parents to make sure that Christmas happens, from the decorations and so on and so on. But there was thousands of years of work put into it from the Lord to make sure that we got to experience the birth of Jesus and the salvation from his sacrifice. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for this day and this time together. God, thank you for the people in the room. Thank you for the kids who are down at the building celebrating. Thank you for everything that you've blessed us with. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray this morning that if there's anyone in this room who's not accepted him, or maybe they just haven't surrendered to him. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today and help us to trust and believe in the God of Israel, the one who orchestrated nations and kings and events and all these things leading up to this moment, who worked out the salvation of the world through countless, uncountable variables that only he could move and persuade. Lord, we love you today. Thank you for being that God. And I pray that you would help us to honor you as we celebrate Christmas this year. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.